Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the late night Friday edition of The Yard. Let me go ahead and apologize to you guys as much as I can Number one, I'm a creature of habit, and so I absolutely hate it, hate it when things change. I, you know, I'm a, I am absolutely allergic to change. But um, so let me give you a little background here. So Thursday night we had the uh, book signing at Turnrow Books. Great turnout. Uh, sold a ton of books you know, between the bookstore and, <clears throat> and customers up there. It was an absolutely, you know, wonderful event for us and. Uh, and so when it was over, we uh, had a great meal. That's uh, me and my agent, Paul Brown, at um, the, the Crystal Grill there, which you can't go to Greenwood without eating at the Crystal Grill. I absolutely love going there. You know what a proponent I am for local business. America, the lifeblood of America, is entrepreneurship. And there are so many great eateries around our state and independent bookstores and small businesses. And I am a very, very, very big supporter of our small businesses in our state. We have so many great ones. And so it was a great night. 
I want to thank everybody that turned out and was a part of all that. There were so many of you that just came and visited, and we talked about you know, college baseball. We talked about the books. We kind of talked about what was next. And as you guys know, I'm in the middle of writing a new one called Dogpile about Mississippi State's 2021 College Baseball National Championship. A lot of people are eager for that one. So that being said, so the publisher is going to go ahead and set up a pre-order link very, very soon. So all of you that want to pre-order Dogpile, you'll be able to do so. And that's going to be helpful too. You go ahead and order. That'll guarantee you get one of the first printings. You'll get one of the first editions, and we'll have that out. And uh, I'm already four chapters in, and I'll go ahead and knock out another one this weekend, and we'll knock out uh, another handful next week. And so I'm roughing these chapters out, and then as, as soon as I get them batched up, they'll go into the editorial process. They'll leave my hands, go to the editors, <clears throat> then I'll get them back. We'll make some changes. And so we want to have basically all this done. We're kind of streamlining the process a little bit because we, you know, we really are on a time crunch here to get this thing out for Christmas, but we are going to get it out for Christmas. And so we've already reached out to the printer to begin to make some arrangements. So they know the book is coming, so they can go ahead and kind of schedule us in there. So we're doing the things necessary to ensure that you guys have this book for Christmas. So be thinking about that. I know many of you have reached out. Hundreds of people have reached out and said, hey, Steve, where can we pre-order? When can we pre-order? So that's your information. And as soon as I have the link, I'll share it on social media, on Gene's page, and tell you guys uh, here as well, you know, where you can find it. But all of my books are at alphadogsthebook.com, with the exception of Blooms of Oleander. And you can find that at Amazon Books Megan uh, and barnesandnoble.com. But please try to buy from your, your local bookstore whenever possible. They can find it. It's uh, through Ingram, and so they can go pull it up uh, on their website and order it for you or order some to carry in the store so again i'm grateful for everybody that carries the book but when um you know given my druthers as they say i would rather you guys buy those books from uh, those independent bookstores many of those people are real just kind of rebounding you know from the uh, the difficult covid year we had in 2020 and thankfully we won an national championship so there's a lot of uh, a lot of demand for merchandise and so that's been a great thing and uh, thank you guys so much for supporting Starkville. You guys know I have talked about this countless times on the show. There are a lot of Starkville vendors that really took it on the chin, not just because of the fact that you had the cancellation of baseball season in 2020, but there were no football camps, there were no baseball camps. So all of those kids that usually come to town and buy a shirt and go eat a hamburger, they didn't show up. Then we had limited attendance for football, and a lot of people were still kind of wary about getting out. So those guys didn't go out and eat at restaurants. They didn't go buy shirts. They didn't buy merchandise. You know, the ones that were here did, but there were a lot of other people that didn't, didn't have the ability to go do it. So the people that kind of paid the price for that, you know, economically, are your Starkville vendors. And so whether it be a sponsor of my show, we always want you to, to represent, excuse me, to support those that represent me, but also, too, some of your other favorite stores may not advertise on the Boneyard. That does not mean that I don't want you to support them also. We want all of our Starkville businesses to thrive. And thankfully, right now, there's a lot to feel good about. We had a very good baseball season, as you guys are well aware. But, uh, you know, there's still some, you know, there's still some people that are really fighting through some struggles and trying to make up for some shortfalls a year ago. So uh, whenever possible, please, please, please uh, buy Starkville. And that's not to suggest that your local people uh, don't do a great job for you, too. But uh, many of your favorite stores here in Starkville, you know, have really, really struggled. And so, again, uh, reach out, kind of let those guys know. If you're going to order online anyway, Let's order it to a Starkville vendor. How about that? 
Uh, want to thank Johnny and everybody at the uh, Crystal Grill. It's uh, it's so great, man, that we have so many great places to eat, and it's nice to go a place too where everything is not deep fried. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, you get a little bit older, got to be a little more conscious about those sort of things. But uh, man, the Crystal Grill is so great. Well, I know they say you're not supposed to eat oysters in a month that doesn't have an R in it. I did anyway because I love oysters on the half shell. And then I had the scallops and I had the lemon ice box pie. I don't feel a little bit guilty about any of that today. So when I got home last night, I just didn't have it in me to record the show. I said, it's no big deal. I'll get up early. And I did. I got up around 7 and then fought the computer for the better part of a few hours there and just simply couldn't get uh, the program that I use to record this show. is called Audacity. And so I just couldn't get it to work. Tried to get updates. My laptop was crapping out on me. I'm using my desktop now. So if it sounds a little different than normal, that's why. So I'm using a, you know, a different setup right now. So just couldn't get it done in time uh, before my ink therapy appointment at 1230. I also had an article to write about uh, a couple, you know, about a player that's coming in. We're going to talk about some softball stuff a little bit later in the show. But I had the ink therapy appointment at 1230. Uh, meet at Animal House here in Starkville was my artist today. And, and I'm usually pretty loyal, but uh, I just had difficulty kind of getting some appointments with um, – my regular artist and meets done a couple things for me in the past and you can see that tattoo on social media the response has been very very good uh listen i believe in repping the brand i don't have any uh you know any desire to distance myself from mississippi state i am a mississippi state guy through and through and there's some other people out there that want to suggest they're not fans of their own school and you know what to each their own but i am a mississippi state guy i don't care what anybody thinks i don't care what anybody's opinion is uh, about my motivations i'll just be honest with you i want to see mississippi state win and i want to cover those wins and i want to cover this team but i'm going to cover us win or lose but it's a whole lot nicer when we get to do things like you know cover a national championship and i kind of laugh about that stuff too you know some of those critics out there that uh, have so much to say and so little to do you know and i thought about this the other day you know it's like uh you know, some of these people out there, they have their little comments, want to take their shots, and I guess they think it bothers me. It absolutely doesn't because I won, remember. But it's, I thought to myself, I'm about to write book number five, and the first four have all appeared on the Mississippi bestseller list. And um, so, and I'm pretty confident number five, Dogpile, will as well. And I, I will go ahead and predict now that Dogpile will be the best-selling book that I've ever written because of all of you and because of this season we got done, just got done with. But I laughed at myself and said, so, you know, I'm writing a book about the national championship and they're writing about me. So, homie, we are not the same. Let's, speaking of not being the same, a very unique place to go break bread, man, Bulldog Burger Company. I love it in there. I've been a fan of Bulldog Burger Company long before they sponsored the show. I would not have partnered with them if I didn't believe in them. Just absolutely wonderful people. Great food, great atmosphere, great prices. And, man, the, the selling point of Bulldog Burger Company is the portions. There are so many places that you can go and get a nice meal. I mean, you can get a nice meal, but you don't always get full. When you go to Bulldog Burger Company, you always leave a little something behind just because it is so substantial. You get a to-go box. And, you know, for a lot of times, if you bring the kids, they get a burger. And so now it's, it's dinner tonight, lunch tomorrow because the portions are so generous. You absolutely get your money's worth to build a burger company. Three great locations to serve you. The baby, the brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive in Ridgeland. And, man, are we getting rave reviews about that place. Go by and check them out today. 
if you live in central Mississippi or you're doing business in the Jackson metro area, and then the university drive location right here in Star Vegas, that's the, that's the flagship. And then Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And what a great location that is. If you haven't been by there, go check out that facility. Even if you're like a Starville person and you're just over in Tupelo for a couple days or whatever doing business, go by and check that place out. You're going to be really glad you did. A lot of consistent service, quality, prices, atmosphere, everything. It's everything you want. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A. T. All right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about football recruiting today because, you know, we're kind of beginning to shift out of baseball, and we're going to have the uh, top dog camp here in a couple weeks. And so, and as much as baseball season means to us, you know, we're still going to, to celebrate and relish our national championship. You know, life kind of goes on, and uh, you guys are kind of eager for some recruiting news. So let's kind of get caught up to where we are. I wrote a couple things on Gene's page about this and uh, hadn't got around to defense yet, but – Let's start with offensive recruiting. Now, we knew from the get-go this was not going to be you know, a heavy class on offensive skill because we, went, we skewed that way last year, right? We, had, we sort of signed a ton of receivers. And so, you know, Makai Polk and those guys are already here. Basically, everybody's here except for Jacoby Moore, who is a wide receiver out of Harrison Central. And I understand he has completed his coursework and uh, will be here when the team reports that everybody is back, I think, on July 27th. So he'll be back with that group, and it looks like we're going to have a full qualifying class, and how cool is that? And that has really been the rule rather than the exception in recent years. Our our academic people, our coaching staff, doing a great job of targeting players that not only can play at this level but can qualify to, um, to be educated at this level, which is a great thing. So... There's not a lot of offensive skill in this one. You know, we, we added Contravia Hargrove uh, last year late in the process. And so you already had two running backs in that class. And so that kind of alleviated a lot of your concern this year. So the only running back that we expect to take is Dakota Jordan out of Canton Academy. And I know, well, he's moved now. He's a JA now. But um, we know that Ole Miss has tried very, very hard to flip him. That's been going on for months. They have not in, a, in any way backed off of him. So we, that's something we'll continue to watch. You know, obviously, we feel like we're in a pretty good position there. But listen, it's Mississippi recruiting. You know, things change. And things don't always uh, you know, go the way we want them to. But as of today, we only expect to take one running back unless you know, there's a guy that comes along you know, that's just too good to turn away. We feel really great uh, about Dakota. We think that he is going to be a big-time player in both baseball and football. And because he does play the running back position, you know, he's a guy that could, could probably pull it off and play both sports. You know, quarterback, probably not so much. Speaking of quarterbacks, we signed two last year, of course, Daniel Greek and Sawyer Robertson. They're both here. Daniel got here in January. Sawyer has been here since the first session of summer school, going through workouts, getting other teammates. And listen, you may hear some things out there and say, oh, this guy didn't look good. Listen, none of those freshmen look good in the first summer. I mean, they just don't. They just don't. And uh, a lot of people said, oh, I think Sawyer Robertson is going to start this year. Guys, you know, Sawyer, number one, uh, wasn't here in January and so because he played high school baseball. And so he's just kind of getting up to speed. So it's not – I don't think that's a, that's a fair expectation. I firmly believe Will Rogers is going to be the quarterback um, this fall. I think Jack Abraham will come in here and really push him and compete and make everybody better around him. But because we signed two quarterbacks last year and added, added a couple transfers as well – it is a one-quarterback class this year. Now, we also understood, because of the fact that our the, the depth chart is rather young 
at Mississippi State. You know, Will Rogers still considered a freshman because last year didn't count, right? And so he still has four years of eligibility. Sawyer and Daniel show up with four years of eligibility. So you have three freshmen right there. So the chances of going out there and signing a blue-chip, four-star type quarterback, pretty slim. I think we did the best we possibly could with Braden Locke, though, out of uh, Rockwall, Texas. This is a guy that's very, very familiar with the uh, Mike Leach system, loves the air raid offense, believes that it's a great fit for him. We believe he's a great fit for us, too. And not just athletically, but, you know, socially. I mean, Mississippi State uh, is a place that we believe that he can fit in. And he was a guy that was targeted, you know, pretty early on in the process. He was a guy that, uh, you know, got offered after we missed out on another quarterback. But, um, you know, he's not necessarily, you know, a plan B type guy. And that's not what I'm suggesting. But because you have Braden Locke, you can feel really good about that. You can feel really good about the position. Now, wide receiver-wise, because we signed somebody last year, it is a two, possibly three wide receiver class. And that's really going to boil down to two for sure and then maybe a best available on offense. Could be a receiver, could be something else, but more than likely would be a receiver. Uh, I know that Steve Spurrier Jr. tells me that you know just about every year he expects to sign three or four just because that's what this offense kind of dictates. We're going to always have to sign a quarterback every year, and we're always going to sign a handful of receivers every single year. But because of last year, because we had some things kind of go our way late, we were able to add Makai Polk, and, you know, we got Antonio Harmon late after we kind of thought we were full. And so that kind of changes your recruiting priorities for this year. Now, we have Janarius Hobson already committed out of Horn Lake, and he's a guy that really kind of reminds me, to be honest with you, a lot of Jamie on Lewis. And when people hear that, they say, Steve, that's a great comparison because that's music to our ears because Jamie on was a very productive player at Mississippi State, and he absolutely was. I think Janoris actually might have a little bit better foot speed than Tubby did. Uh, but, yeah, if we get the same level of production out of Hobson that we did out of Jamie on Lewis, we have done really, really well. So he seems to be fine. He seems to be locked in and solid. I've met his dad, who is an outstanding man, too, uh, really, really impressed with everything involved with Hobson. And so I think that'll probably work out just fine. And then, of course, you, there's Shaz Preston, and I think we can wait that process out. Now, LSU uh, has made some, uh, you know, maybe some advancements here in the last uh, couple months. You know, the talk early on was is that you know, he and LSU just weren't, you know, weren't a fit. But I think now that people realize how well he has played around the country and the buzz that he has kind of created for himself, LSU's gotten a little more serious. Now, of course, Shaz is the younger brother of Mississippi State safety, Sean Preston. And so we have an advantage there in many respects because, you know, he's been able to come to games. You know, last year he couldn't go to an LSU game, you know, unless he was able to go buy tickets maybe on the, on the uh, you know, from a third party, you know, on the outside market. But he was able to come watch Mississippi State play last year. And he also has a relationship with many of the current players. So State's going to be in that one. I, I feel confident that we will get an official visit. I don't know if that means we get a commitment, but I know that State will be in this thing uh, much longer than maybe some people anticipate. A lot of people are always ready to just kind of kind of concede Louisiana kid to LSU. And listen, I get it. I understand that. But when you've got a family connection here, and again, this is a guy from the River Parishes, and that has traditionally been LSU country, but they have lost some players there too to other Power 5 programs. I think a lot of it too is because of the Ed Reed factor. You know, Ed Reed was a Louisiana guy that didn't get a lot of attention from LSU and then went to Miami and became one of the greatest uh, defensive backs to ever play in the National Football League. And so because of Ed's influence down there in the River Parish, and he is still very involved down there in a very positive way. 
And so a lot of people realize, you know what, hey, there is more to life than just LSU. You know, I can get out and go do what I want to do and accomplish my goals, even if LSU doesn't offer me or make me feel like a priority. And so I still think State has a good chance with Shaz. I wouldn't call it a great chance. But it is definitely a possibility, you know, for us if we kind of move forward here. And so I think it's also important to kind of understand that this is going to be a very offensive line heavy class. And even though we went out and got some guys last year, I think right now it is a four O-line class, possibly five, possibly five. And I think it's going to depend on how the numbers kind of boil down. Now, you've got three guys committed right now. Jackson Cannon is a guy that I believe is an offensive guard. And I, I really like him, and I thought he was a good early commit because sometimes you got to get a guy in the boat to kind of get things rolling, right? Because the best way you create a sense of urgency with other players is to get verbal commitments at their position. And so now all of a sudden, you know, you get a couple of guys on the offensive line, then you can kind of lean into some guys and say, hey, listen, i got two spots left. One of them is yours, but – you know, I can't run the risk of losing you and my number two guy and my number three guy waiting on you. And so you can have, you know, kind of recruit from a position of power in that respect. So Jackson Canning will be an offensive guard. Uh, Cam East is a guy that I really like a lot. And, and actually, when I went down and broke down his film after Omaha and wrote the, uh, you know, what's Mississippi State getting than Cam East article for jeanspage.com, I was more impressed because it's one of those things when you've got a bunch of film to watch and you may, you may watch eight or nine or ten kids and it all kind of runs together. But when you can focus on a guy like him, and I would encourage you go to his huddle profile, just Google Cam East huddle. Go watch for yourself. And you'll see how long, lean, and athletic he is. But he also really brings a punch. He is a guy that's very good in pass pro, and that's a requirement to play in the, uh, the air raid offense for sure. But I think he's also a guy, too, that when he does do some run blocking stuff, he is capable of firing off the ball and kind of moving the pile a little bit. And so watch the film. I think you'll be impressed with him. I do think he's a guy that will stay at tackle. He's 6'7", right at 300 pounds uh, right now. And so that's something to feel good about. And, of course, Lucas Taylor, former LSU commitment. Now, according to some reports, you know, after he flipped to Mississippi State, and he did flip to Mississippi State, you know, some kind of suggested, well, you know, maybe he's not going to beat LSU. He had a bad camp performance, you know. And so a lot of that, too, is to kind of explain away some negativity. And I can't say that our people are immune from doing that, too. I mean, it's just kind of how it works, you know. Oh, we didn't lose a kid to Mississippi State. Well, sometimes you do. You know, Lucas Taylor is actually a guy originally from Mississippi, a guy that knows Austin Williams, a guy that has relationships with, you know, Dylan Lawrence and some other guys that are, that are already very, 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 very entrenched at Mississippi State. Also, Lucas Taylor's sister plays softball at Mississippi State. So there's a lot of connections there. So it would make sense that, you know, maybe he goes down to LSU and maybe he doesn't have a good day. And maybe, maybe it was a situation where the good day was on his side. You know, maybe he goes down there and thinks, you know what, hey, they've got a new offensive line coach down here. I don't really know this guy. He didn't make me feel like a priority, so maybe I need to look at something else. What's interesting, too, though, is that, you know, when Brad was at Arkansas, he recruited Lucas. He recruited Cam East. And now you get there, it's a different situation. Now, it, that doesn't mean the evaluation changed. It could mean that the needs changed. You know, maybe you get there at LSU and say, okay, this guy doesn't fit our scheme, or maybe we already have two tackles committed. And so it's not always a situation where a kid is damaged goods. And now Lucas is a guy that will tell you, I'm only going to take one official visit. That's going to be Mississippi State. So, But because you have three guys committed, and I do think Lucas Taylor is also probably an interior guy, 
Now, you've got two spots you can be awfully picky with. We recently offered uh, you know, a couple new offensive line prospects, and I think that's really about balance because you, you probably want to recruit. If you've got two spots left, you probably want to recruit about six or seven kids pretty hard for those two spots. You're not going to be out there recruiting 20 the same way. You've got to prioritize some guys. And so that's where I think the rest of this offensive line class comes from. I think two offensive linemen, one more receiver, maybe a second one. And then I think you're done on offense. I mean, you already got 15 commitments, right? And then Jameer Calvin's a guy that's going to count forward. It's, you know, Jameer's already on campus. That's the Washington State transfer. He is already here, but he hasn't been announced as a signee. From what I understand, it's because he hadn't signed yet. So once we get into fall camp, he'll sign and be announced as a signee. And that scholarship will count towards 2022. You know, there was some discussion last year, uh, earlier this year, pardon me, the last recruiting cycle, uh, that we may, William Hardrick and Katravian Hargrove could be blue shirts, which meant, you know, if they signed during fall camp, that they would count towards 2022. Well, because we worked the portal really hard and couldn't find defensive backs that were in the transfer portal that we felt like we were getting a return interest from and had the ability to play in a Southeastern Conference, we elected to go ahead and just take those two guys. And I think that's probably good because I think the available talent pool for Mississippi State is much greater in the 2022 class, and you wouldn't want to top a couple scholarships you know, unnecessarily. And so Hargrove and Hardrick are signees that will count towards 2021. So that fills your allotment for 2021, which is why Jameer Calvin, of course, uh, will sign in August and then count towards 2022. So it'll be a 24-man class in 2022 barring something unforeseen we have room to work with but uh, don't have anything to count back because we've used our annual allotment uh, for 2021 so make sense so we're going to talk about defensive recruiting a little bit later in the show and i really don't know how long we go to be honest with you i'm tired it's been a long day had my ink therapy appointment and uh went much longer than i anticipated for sure but um you know it's it's a lot of work to be this beautiful why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. 
Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So, there's a couple more things in this offensive thing I want to get into before we kind of move on here. So, when Mike Leach was hired as our football coach, all of a sudden, Mississippi State became more of a recruiting destination for quarterbacks. And so you get Daniel Greek and Sawyer Robertson last year, and you had a connection with both, and you, they were recruiting both at Washington State. And, of course, you know, we added K.J. Costello, right? And so there are going to be some doors open to us on the quarterback recruiting trail that haven't been. And that's not to say that Joe didn't get out there and work hard. I mean, you guess Garrett Schrader was a guy that, that was a very highly contested recruitment. But, you know, I don't know that Garrett really fit the scheme. I don't know that Garrett could you know, consistently throw the vertical, uh, you know, passing element of this offense with consistency. And I love Garrett Schrader. I hope he does a great job at uh, Syracuse and that he'll be wins a starting job. And there are absolutely no hard feelings between us and Keaton or uh, any of those guys that left. Jalen Maiden, any of those guys. I mean, you know, those guys came in here. It just didn't work out. It's it's nobody's fault. It just didn't work out. But Mike Leach knows what he wants in a quarterback. And so when we offer guys, we're going to have an opportunity to get guys. Now, it used to be a situation where we had to kind of take the developmental quarterback, and they're all developmental in some respects, right, because nobody's really, you know, playing at a proficient level in high school. There are very few that are. I mean, defenses are a lot more complicated. The speed of the game is a lot faster on the college level. So there is that element of development you kind of got to deal with. But more times than not, we had to take the scratch and dent quarterback, we don't have to do that anymore. And as you guys know, it doesn't matter if it's peewees or the pros, usually the team with the better quarterback wins the football game. And so as a result, I think you're going to see the trajectory of this offense and of this team continue to be on the incline because of the reputation that Mike Leach brings as a guy that will, number one, put up some very prolific numbers, but also to kind of prepare guys for the National Football League. That hadn't always been the case. I mean, we went you know decades without having a – quarterback drafted that eventually became a starter in the NFL. Of course, Jackie Parker did some tremendous things for us and spent much of his career in the CFL. You know, Joe Reed's a guy, obviously, that uh, very successful. Spent some time in the National Football League. But, I mean, it had been, you know, a generation before Dak Prescott came along. You know, we had some guys that we all thought were really good. And sometimes, you know, because you're so acutely aware of your team and its strengths and weaknesses, you know, you kind of get caught up in a little bit of that. You know, it happens a lot. 
you know, you think, well, our guy's better than that guy. And sometimes that's just not true. I mean, we love our guys because they're our guys. That doesn't necessarily mean they're NFL prospects. But, you know, we've had a pretty good stretch here. You know, we've had a couple quarterbacks get drafted, you know. And so, you know, the good thing is, is that I think the best is yet to come in that respect. I think we're going to hit into a, you know, maybe a golden age of the Mississippi State quarterback because of the fact that we're recruiting at such a higher level at the position. Now, the running back situations are going to be much different. You know, we're not going to go get the four-star, the Colin Hills, you know, the Cam Akers. The, those guys are not coming here because they want to carry the football. Branson Robinson from Germantown, not coming here. You already knew that. But we're not running an offense that is necessarily attractive to, to running backs, the guys that maybe have NFL aspirations to be a running back. You know, Simeon Price is a guy that was a slot receiver and a running back in high school, former South Carolina commitment that was part of our 2021 signing class. He is exactly what we're looking for. You know, he's a guy that will move around, line him up at different spots, and, you know, we'll throw him the football. We're going to hand it to him a little bit too, but we're going to throw the football around a lot more than we used to historically. But, you know, when I go back and I think about, you know, how we utilize a running back, you know, people think about, oh, we ran the ball so much better against Missouri and we ran it pretty good against Tulsa. You know, a lot of that, too, you know, wasn't necessarily play calling. It wasn't necessarily running back development. It was about your quarterback, Will Rogers, kind of learning, learning what the defense is going to give him on a college level. It's a big part of it, right? And so there were some plays at times earlier in the season when Will was just trying to figure it all out where he could have checked into a running play that potentially could have been, you know, very, very important for us. Well, after some film review and after he gets some game reps, okay, he sees that, oh, well, now I see it. And so the light begins to come on for him a little bit now. He's like, you know what, hey, I really want to throw the football here, but the look they're giving me says, you know, we should run the draw here or an inside handoff here or a sweep toss here. And so you're seeing Will Rogers kind of grow up before your eyes. And so, again – you know, on the message boards and on social media, it's Mike Leach and those guys kind of taking a beating for play calling. But this is such a quarterback-centric offense. You know, it's like the quarterback makes so many decisions, and that's why you've got to go out and get a heady guy like Will Rogers or a Jack Abraham or a Sawyer Robertson. You've got to go get a guy that's intelligent, a guy that can read defenses and kind of understand, you know, what they're showing you. And so that's going to be part of this kind of moving forward. You know, the, the days of just going out there and getting the athletic quarterback and rolling the football out there and saying, okay, go get us a win, uh, those days are over. And you're going to have to get, get a guy that's very, very intelligent, probably going to see a lot of coaches' kids, you know, involved in Mississippi State quarterbacking. It's just going to be a different dynamic for us. And that's something we're going to have to kind of grow accustomed to. And listen, there are some really good quarterbacks in the league this year. And, that doesn't mean they're going to put up bigger numbers than Will Rogers. You know, and we're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, eight and nine-man zones. And I think Will's going to benefit from the fact of what he saw last year. You know, yeah, there's not a, there wasn't a ton of, you know, 50-50 balls outside the numbers 40 yards down the field. We do some of that. You know, when people go man coverage, we burn them on it. That's one thing Kirby Smart said, and you remember who the starting quarterback was against Georgia, right, on the road at Athens with 49 players. Remember that? And he said every single time that they went man coverage, we burn them on it. Every single time. And that's, again, your quarterback recognizing coverages, your quarterback making the adjustment at the line during the pre-snap read. And so Will, to be honest with you, I don't say this to be negative about Will, 
But Will is going to open the door for Mississippi State to sign even better quarterback prospects. And you know what? That's what he wants, too. He wants this to be a sustainable thing. He wants to be able to come in here and win at a high level and then other people build upon what he's done. Will don't want to come in here and just you know, have a great career and then see the program fall apart after he leaves. That's not who he is. He's not that narcissistic guy that's all about me. He's a guy that's about the team. And I, I go back to a conversation that he and I had, you know, you know, back, you know, postseason. And he goes, man, you know what we need, Steve? We need an offseason together. We need to, I just need an offseason with these guys. So let's all get on the same page. Well, now you've had that. And you've had the benefit of spring practice. Now you've got summer. And so I firmly believe that next year, and again, not this year because you're, you're so young with three freshman quarterbacks. And it might be an issue next year to a lesser extent. But we're going to start seeing more and more blue-chip caliber quarterbacks show a real genuine interest in Mississippi State. Now, the way we can kind of help that is got to go win some games this year. We've got to go win a lot of games this year. Got to put up some big numbers. I'm not saying we got to go win 10. If we could, it'd be great. But, you know, I think we're a solid bowl team, probably a Tennessee bowl game, you know, maybe Liberty Bowl, maybe Music City. But I think we've got a chance to be really good in 2022. I think we'll be better in 2021 but I think we have a chance to be really good in 2022 well why Steve well it's because you remember last year a lot of your playmakers were all freshmen right Dylan Johnson Woody Marks Jaden Wally Will Rogers you know so those guys that nucleus on offense not even counting your offensive line guys those guys are going to grow together and again this year I believe will be a step forward and I think next year will be a step a lot closer to what we want to be I listen, I think Mike Leach is one of the best coaches in college football history. And you don't think he's just kind of sitting around, you know, flying around to the United Arab Emirates and going to Key West and just, you know, being completely detached from football? You're wrong. That guy's thinking about how are we going to beat Alabama? What are we going to do when LSU comes up here? How do I get Will Rogers going? Can Jaden Wiley be a guy that uh, you know, knows where to kind of settle in his own? You know, those are the things that are always on his mind. And I've talked to Mike. You know, he thinks we got a good squad. And I go back and I think about it. People say, well, you know, Steve, I don't know if it's one of our more talented teams. Well, I think you're wrong. I think when you go run the numbers, you'll see we actually got, you know, very highly recruited players. But think about what he won with the Texas Tech. And then think about what he won with at Washington State. And then look at the caliber of players he's bringing in now. So you're bringing in a better caliber of athlete to run in a system that is tried and true with um, – players that uh, you know are maybe borderline power five players and so that should give you some confidence kind of moving into the year and I hope that it does I, I think we are going to be better offensively I think we're probably going to be as good defensively as we were last year I mean we're going to miss Errol Thompson I think that is really the, the one the one guy you can't really replace you know I think we'll be I think we'll be okay up front I think we'll be much better in the secondary and because we are better up front, I don't think you have to be as good in the secondary. But when you look at the guys we've got coming in, I think you can feel really good that Zach Arnett's going to have plenty of things in the cupboard to work with. That should make you excited. All right, today's top ten list brought to you by JohnnyPacker.com. JohnnyPacker.com, your one-stop shop for your sunglass wear. Whether they be traditional sunglasses or prescription sunglasses, you can get those filled right there at JohnnyPacker.com. You get those cool blue light glasses, too. If you're a person that sits behind the computer screen all day, every day like I do, maybe you could benefit from that. And you can get those readers, too. You can get the 1.0 or the 2.0 readers. 
every frame named after a Mississippi town because Brandon and John, they're Mississippi guys. They're Mississippi State guys, too. You know I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever possible. And because of their love for Mississippi State and their love for you, they're willing to give you a little bit of a discount, give you the Ken Folks discount by using promo code BONEYARD to get you 10% off your purchase. And also, of course, a portion of every purchase sent directly to Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. John C. himself, his struggle with cystic fibrosis his entire life and, and is now living a pretty, pretty quality life now, I think he'll tell you. But because he was a guy that has gone through this, he wants to help other people have some improved lung function. And so he's dedicating a portion of the proceeds to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Check him out today. That's johnnypacker.com. And you guys have been buying glasses, too. There's the new Albany pair that's on the way, the Omaha frames, a lot of cool stuff. And these are great glasses. They won't pinch your, your nose. They're very well constructed. They're very, very, very good sunglasses. I have a pair myself. You'll be glad you did. Go to johnnypacker.com and, again, promo code BONEYARD to save 10% off your purchase. So we normally do country on Wednesdays, but because of the fact that I had uh, had a broken promise about Queensryche, I wanted to kind of get that one knocked out, and I got a message from our listener today. So he agreed with me that Operation Mind and Crime is an album that's best listened to in its entirety. I've many, many people, even uh, Richard has reached out and said, you know, Steve, it may be the greatest album of my lifetime. And uh, guys, it is fantastic. So, but we're going to do country today, and we're going to do a female country music superstar. And she had some detractors. A lot of people said she wasn't really country. And, you know, some of her stuff is a little bit poppy. But if you listen to what's on the radio now in country music, there's a lot of it that's kind of followed maybe on the coattails of one Shania Twain. And that's the subject of today's top ten list. I'm a huge Shania Twain fan not just because she is elegantly beautiful, but she's also very, very talented. I think that her voice is spectacular. I have some other people that have been very critical of her, and I just find all of that to be very petty. It's like, you know, I get caught up in some of that stuff myself, like with rock music or some bands I don't like, but here's the thing. I respect your right to like them. You know, whether I like them or not, you, you feel free to like who you want to like. But Shania Twain really kind of did it for me because there were a lot of people that I thought as country music singers were kind of whiny. But I thought Shania Twain kind of brought in, you know, some positivity. And, and of course, you know, there's some lover's lament stuff, you know, in, in her catalog. But, you know, by and large, when her and Mutt Lang got together, she kind of changed the direction of country music. And I don't know that she gets enough credit even today. So Shania Twain, here are the top ten. And again, some of these are more of these poppy songs that some people kind of reject as it's true country, but uh, I dig them, and it's my list. And if you don't agree with my list, you can make your own list, post them on your Facebook account, or put a podcast together and build up a following and, and have it on your show. But we're going to talk about Shania Twain today, and I think we're all going to be glad we did. So number 10 is I'm going to get you good. And, uh, and again, it's one of those little playful, flirtatious type songs, and that's kind of what she built the brand on. You know, it's kind of being that little flirty, uh, you know, beautiful female you know that every guy wanted to date and every woman wanted to be number nine no one needs to know and that goes back towards the beginning of her catalog when it was really a lot more country that's kind of in the pre-mutt lang era if i remember correctly and uh no one needs to know right now you know it's like i've got a crush on you and i'm excited about you and i want to pursue a relationship with you but you know what nobody needs to know it's nobody's business and i would encourage you to keep your uh, personal life private 
There's so many people that want to go share everything out on social media because they're so proud. I'm, I'm dating this person. I want the world to know. And then when something goes wrong, next thing you know, you got to go explain yourself. So I'm encourage you, keep your personal life private. Just like Shania Twain told us all those many years ago. No one needs to know. Because there's always somebody out there that um, will look to destroy whatever you have. All right, number eight, honey, I'm home. It's kind of a take on the old, uh, I guess it's the Ward Cleaver, right? We'll leave it to Beaver. Honey, I'm home. I guess that was part of it. and That, that was kind of, the, kind of the catchphrase for all the dads, you know, back in the, uh, you know, the, the sit, family sitcom type era, the 60s, 70s, and, and the 80s. But um, it's, she kind of flips the script here. And, uh, yeah, that's the thing, too, about Shania Twain, too. She always she had, like, a sense of empowerment. Yeah, it's one thing, too, like, there, and there's so many fe- female fans out there that are just diehard fans for Shania Twain. I think a lot of it's because, you know, because she was so positive. And, um, you know, I, th- I think in many ways that she was a very positive role model for, for young America. I really believe that. Uh, number seven, if you're not in it for love, I'm out of here. And, of course, if you listen to it, you know, it's like a girl meets a guy in a bar and sounds like that he's more interested in a one-night stand, but she's not. And she's just kind of letting him know, I'm not that girl. That's not me. So go 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 buy some other girl a drink because if you're not in it for more than the short term, then uh, I'm not interested. And, again, I think there are a lot of young women that feel that way. Number six, Up. And this is one of those songs, too, that a lot of people are like, oh, it's not even really country. It's still great. It's still a good song. No matter what label you want to put on it, Up is a very, very good song. Number five, and this is one of the ballads, and she had a bunch of these. And I know there's going to be many of you that say, oh, Steve, you should have had this one, you should have had that one. And that's okay, too. You can like whatever you like. And I, I may like them, too. I just don't like them as much as the ones on this on this list. But um, it's you're still the one. And I know that this is, you know, this is about, you know, a long-term relationship. And it's like, you know, I've... I've gotten over the cuteness and the infatuation phase, and despite all of that stuff, you're you're still the person I want to be with, and it's a beautiful thing. Number four, also going back, and I think this is one of her first major hits. I remember this kind of crossing over a little bit. I heard this some on Top 40, but uh, even though it had a fiddle, is uh, Any Man of Mine. Now, that's not what I'm interested in, obviously, but uh, the point is, is that I like the fact that she's kind of setting some parameters. So this is kind of the price of poker. If you want to be with me, if you want to date me, and you want to be my man, this is what you got to do. And again, this all goes back to that whole thing about female empowerment, which I'm a big fan of. I really do. Uh, Number two, again, one of the earlier ones is uh, Whose Bed Have Your Boots Been Under? Very, very clever song. I don't know who wrote it, but she performs it beautifully. Very, very kind of sly with her delivery on this but uh number one and and to me it's kind of number one with the bullet you may disagree and i love the video and because she's so easy to look at too but the, the video is very cute that it was very well directed but it's that don't impress me much and it is it does kind of have that uh, deaf leopard type co- chorus that mutt lang is so big on you know the the bigger chorus kind of like that big 80s rock chorus but you know the, her delivery in this is just perfect you know, it's like, hey, okay, so you got a car. You know, it, it kind of pokes fun at the male ego a little bit. And uh, that is something that uh, is, is tried and true over the years. But she does it in such a playful way, I don't think anybody gets offended. But that's the Shania Twain top ten list. And this has been requested maybe six or seven times. I finally got around to doing it. 
and uh, trying to do country once a week. We'll try to do that on Wednesdays because I like to kind of close out with some rock on Fridays as you guys are you know, cashing your check and leaving out for the weekend. You know, I'm not going to play you, you know, elevator music. I want you to jam with me. But Shania Twain, huge fan of Shania Twain, really. And and I tell you, one of those things, too, is like you, you think about artists that come along and they have these moments in time in their career where – you know, maybe for a few minutes, they were kind of like on top of the world. Listen, Shania Twain was a worldwide superstar. There are a few people that have had the career that she has had. And I, I don't think she gets enough credit for how she was such an innovator in country music. I think she made country music for a lot of people listenable. I think there were a lot of people that were just, you know, country's this and it's all about this and that. And and guys, to be honest with you, there's a lot of country music this, that I grew up with. It was kind of depressing. Yeah, everything was about something negative. And I think Shania Twain kind of flipped that a little bit. She was a lot more positive. And I think she also showed, too, that, uh, you know, she was not the Tammy Wynette woman. And that's not to, to cast any aspersions of Tammy Wynette. But I think that uh, in many ways, you know, Shania Twain and country music kind of changed with the times. And I think that, that her message was very reflective of the culture. And I think that is an amazing thing. And there are a few people that can really claim that. And so you may be surprised that I feel so passionately and strongly about Shania Twain. And again, it's not just because of her looks, but I think the people that were behind her did a great job kind of packaging her in a way that she was basically, number one, accessible and that everybody felt like, you know what, I can kind of relate to her. But also, too, that she didn't have to be anything like her predecessor. She kind of made her own lane, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. So there you go. Top 10 list brought to you by johnnypacker.com. Next segment of the show brought to you by closewithblair.com. Guys, uh, Blair is a longtime friend of mine. And guys, Blair is not just in the mortgage business. Blair is killing the game, guys. He is in the top 1% with Fairway Mortgage. And Fairway Mortgage, not some fly-by-night, some private lender man. It's one of the top five mortgage companies in America. And Blair is one of the dudes. 21 years in the industry. He has seen it all, done it all. You're not going to come at him with some situation that he is not somewhat familiar with. It's just kind of how it is. Everybody thinks, well, you know, I don't know that I can get approved. You know what? Then contact him and let him see what he can do for you. Because a lot of times it's about kind of preparing you to buy a home, not just helping you buy it. Many of you are in a position you say, you know what? I can just go buy a house today. And But other people aren't in that situation. So, Reach out to Blair. Let him help you. Conventional, FHA, USDA, VA lending products, all those are available. Even the renovation stuff. Like if you want to buy that fixer-upper and say it's always been our dream to buy a house and kind of make it our own, kind of update it, he can help you with that. It's a guy that specializes in service and speed and service, man. It's just great. Licensed in Mississippi and surrounding states of Louisiana, Alabama, Tennessee. Investment property, second homes, primary residences, whatever you need. Blair's also a bulldog. I believe in doing business with Bulldogs never possible. We want to keep it in the family as best we can. It's also a season ticket holder. He has a place up here. Very, 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 very dedicated to Mississippi State and the Starkville. Give Blair a call today at 601-500-2344 or visit him on his website at closewithblair.com. And that's B-L-A-I-R, closewithblair.com. All right, let's talk some defensive uh, recruiting here for a minute. How about that? All right, so we got seven defensive backs committed. And so you would say, you know what, maybe we're done at DB. You know, we're not. Because the evaluation process continues. And one of the things that I want to point out to you guys, too, Mississippi State commitment Tyler Woodard recently 
you know, took a campus visit to Ole Miss. I don't know when he did it. It's dead period right now, so I don't know when he did it. But then, you you know, you put a picture up on Instagram of you, uh, you know, wearing an Ole Miss uniform as a Mississippi State commitment. That is not going to go well. It's just not. You know, I, I don't know if that means that he plans to flip. I know that he had a uh, maybe a little bit of a questionable show in at Top Dog Camp. He came in hurt, tried to power through it. Now, you know, I don't I don't know. Maybe if he's just kind of second guessing himself a little bit, he needs to come back and work out again. But those are the things over the course of the recruiting process you look at and say, okay, well, you know, we've got all these guys committed, but how committed are they? And how committed are we to them? Uh, Jeterius Elam is another guy that didn't work out. He came up a little bit banged up, didn't work out. And uh, I understand he'll be back uh, on the 30th to work out as part of top dog camp, which will be great. And hopefully he does well. You know, he's a guy, too, that needs to get in the weight room. But, you know, that's, when you're committed and your coaches want to work you out and kind of play with you a little bit, you need to get out there and be able to do it. And so, you know, of course, you know, there's some other guys out there, too, that uh, people haven't stopped recruiting them. You know, those are the things you look at, too, and say, well, yeah, these guys are in, but you can't afford to take anybody for granted. You know, it's like uh, Colin Griffin out of Montgomery, Alabama. You know, he's picked up a Tennessee offer. He's gone up there, taken a visit to Tennessee, put on the Tennessee stuff. But you, you can't ignore that. And that's not to say you can't take a kid at his word, but you got to remember these are teenagers that are being courted by adults that are pretty skilled at the process. And so you can't take for granted, oh, yeah, well, he's fine. Well, I mean, if, if he's fine, why isn't he Lucas Taylor fine, right? Lucas Taylor is saying, you know what, I'm not going to get out and go anywhere because I'm committed to Mississippi State. I don't like how that looks. And if you want to take those visits, then why aren't you being Stone Blanton, right? You know, Stone's not committed, but Stone's taking three official visits. He's out there doing all this other stuff because what I understand about Stone is, is once he commits, he's done with all that stuff. And so it's just a bad look when you commit and then you're out there visiting other schools. And people say, well, you know, Steve, they've earned that. You know what? I don't disagree with that at all. But I think it sends a little bit of a red flag to the Mississippi State staff. It's like, oh, yeah, the kid's always good with us. And the next thing you know, he's tweeting out a picture of, uh, you know, him wearing a Tennessee uniform saying, go orange. You know, it's, it's not to say that you just, you know, you cut a kid, but it's you you got to continue to evaluate. you got to continue to recruit their players because, you know, what happens if you put all your uh, eggs in his basket and all of a sudden he flips to Tennessee? So you just can't ignore that. And I know you guys would like to hear me and Paul say, oh, yeah, everything is fine, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you everything is fine when I don't believe that it is. And I know Paul won't either. But I, and maybe I'm a little more pessimistic than he is, you know. But I, I guess because I've been doing it a little bit longer too, and I'm not saying that you know I'm not throwing shade at Paul, but I've been covering recruiting in Mississippi longer than he has. Maybe I'm a little more jaded. But it is always a little bit of a uh, you know a flag, red flag when you see these things happen. Now linebacker, you know Khalid Moore, I've had absolutely no anxiety about him at all since the day he committed. And Ole Miss, you know, has stayed on him to their credit, but he has just not entertained any of that. And Tony Hughes did a good job there. Zach Garnett, Matt Brock, everybody doing a great job kind of making him feel like a priority. He's supposed to be back up here in two weeks. He and his family come, come help do some recruiting. Just enjoy being around Mississippi State. And that's the thing you think about. It. If I'm committed to Mississippi State, I'm going to be at Mississippi State every time they have something going on, right? Because I want to be up there and help recruit. I want to be up there around my coaches. I want to be around my future teammates. I'm building a relationship. I'm laying a foundation for the remainder of my college career, so I'm going to be there for that. I'm not going to be committed to Mississippi State, and then I'm going to go to Ole Miss this weekend, LSU the next, and Alabama. You know, listen, you do all that as an undeclared prospect. You don't do it as a commitment. It's disrespectful. 
It, it just is. It, because here's the thing. People say, well, Steve, you know, the coaches are still recruiting. Yeah, they're still recruiting because of the fact that they got to make sure that they got their bases covered and their knees met should a kid go flip on them. They're also not doing it publicly. They're not out there tweeting out a picture of a kid. Now, if a kid wants to do it, it's one thing. You know, but when you're out there on another college campus and you tweet these pictures out, I mean, I think you're kind of taking your, your recruitment kind of in your own hands there. Maybe you see it differently than I do, but that's how I see it. I think you got to be careful, especially if you're a guy that comes in here, maybe you don't perform well in camp, and now all of a sudden, you know, maybe you're out there visiting and they say, you know what, this is a chance for us to kind of maybe drop a guy that uh, is not living up to our expectation. Make sense? So back to linebackers again, I kind of got caught chasing that rabbit trail. But, you know, Khalid Moore is a guy that uh, nobody has said anything negative about him. He is a guy that has just made his commitment, powered through. He's out there recruiting, trying to get some other guys to get in the class with him. He is one of my favorite players in this class, and I do think it's a very good class, much better than last year, really much better. I think there are some guys on the back end of this class, even some that won't sign with Mississippi State, they're going to have very productive college careers. I think there's a lot of depth in 2022 in the state of Mississippi. So it's going to be a two-backer class, maybe three. Two, maybe three. And I have double-checked on this. I've talked to multiple people. It is not a guaranteed three. That said, there could be a best available on, on defense, and that you know could ultimately be a linebacker. You know, Stone Blanton is a guy that we all fully expect to commit to Mississippi State. We're eagerly awaiting that commitment. I think it's going to be a big drawing card for State. Too. He'll be a dandy dozen guy, be an all-state guy. Uh, you know, he'll be back in action a little bit later in the year this year. But uh, listen, we know what Stone Blanton is. We do. He's a tremendous football player. Do you still take Javay Gilmore if he wants to come? I, I think if both want to come, you got to take them. I think you make room. But I don't think you go out there and recruit two more linebackers just to recruit two more backers. I think maybe maybe you started this process thinking, okay, we're going to take two, maybe three, and then all of a sudden you have a guy that, of Javay Gilmore's you know, talent available to you. I think you got to make an adjustment somewhere else. It's just kind of how I see it. I mean, I think, number one, we, we signed a bunch of backers last year. But we signed some JUCO guys, too. So you got to get some high school guys in the pipeline, let them develop a little bit. So I think we're going to be good at backer. I really think this linebacker class is going to be really good, whether it be a two-guy class or a three-guy class. If we get Khalid Moore, Javay Gilmore, and Stone Blanton, we're going to laugh all the way to the bank. It's going to be a tremendous linebacker haul, and it's very possible. Now, defensive line, I think, is interesting because we do have some very, very, very high-profile defensive line targets in the state of Mississippi. One of the things we worried about last year is because it felt like we were kind of chasing the game most of the year in recruiting defensive linemen. That ended up going well for us. You know, uh, we did sign Trevon Marshall, who is who is a developmental guy. Let's just being honest. We know this. He's a guy that's going to slide inside and bulk up. Uh, you go out and get Ty Cooper at the top defensive end. Right, you get De- Deontay Anderson, an All-American. That was great for us. And you add Randy Charlton, you know, one of the top pass rushers in uh, in the conference out there. And so, so it it didn't feel good most of the process, but it ended out really well for us. You know, it kind of has that don't feel good feel right now. You know, Jaheim Otis is a guy that's committed to Alabama. They're talking about him possibly playing offensive line. They've got the defensive line coaches still recruiting him, but they've mentioned the possibility of playing offensive guard. So that's one of the reasons that he's still working through the process. He's not completely sure, but, you know, hey, you can't turn down Alabama, right? That's how these kids feel today. 
Then you got Xavier Harris, a guy that was been a, pretty much been a lean to Mississippi State the whole way through the process, and then out of the blue, right after State wins a NFL championship, Ole Miss gets him committed. And you know what? Good for them because he's a very talented player. I don't know that he is a defensive tackle on the next level, though. He's not quick twitch enough to play defensive end. I think he's too big to play defensive tackle. And what I mean by that is I think he's just too tall. You know, 6'7", six, 6'7 seven, six, seven That guy's an offensive tackle. I just don't know how you get pad level at 6'7 in the SEC at a three-tack. I just don't see it happening. It's, I mean, it's just very rare to have the combination of size and skill that can play that position and kind of defy the laws of physics. So that's something to be mindful of as we kind of move forward. I won't be the least bit surprised if we don't end up taking one, maybe two, JUCO defensive linemen. Now, I say that, it's kind of an educated guess too, but you've got some junior college guys out there they are going to have three years of eligibility. And so they'll have the benefit of playing last year that didn't count. Then they'll play this year and still have three to play three. You know, and so if you can get a guy that has some seasoning on him and some physical maturity out there that can step in and play for you next year, I think you got to go make that decision. I think you've got to go make some things happen. And there are some guys in our state that are, you know, again, Division One bounce backs, much like we saw a few years ago, Montez Sweat, uh, you know, Chauncey, Rivers, those guys. I mean, so we, we see, uh, you know, some guys that are available out there. And so don't be surprised in the next couple of weeks, and maybe it gets into the season, that you see some junior college defensive linemen begin to receive offers from Mississippi State. Now, that doesn't mean that you're giving up on Otis or giving up on Harris. That doesn't mean that at all. But you got to sign four in this class, I think. I think it's pretty evident you got to go get four. We had a good class last year. We need to put another good class on it, begin to kind of stack uh, these classes together and kind of just feel good about the direction of defensive line. Listen, Jeff Phelps, clearly a very good coach. You know, and in times I, I kind of wonder, you know, if some of these guys are just kind of getting up to speed on what it takes to recruit in the SEC. But, again, look at how the class ended. You know, it's just like, hey, we, you know, that ball game against Virginia in baseball was awful for seven innings, right? But it ended pretty well. And that's kind of how I saw last year's defensive line recruiting. It's like, you know what, it was, it was kind of bad, for much of the process, but it ended well. And so we kind of move on from it. That doesn't mean that we can just necessarily just erase any of our concern uh, about recruiting the position. You know, I think, you know, not that our worry really changes anything or our praise for that matter. You know, whatever's happened is going to happen. We're not going to have a lot of impact on that. But I think defensive line recruiting is probably, you know, the kind of on the forefront right now, kind of moving forward because I think you feel really good about where you are at DB. I think you're in a great position right now, a linebacker. Defensive line, you're still kind of figuring some things out. And that, I think of all the positions that we're kind of chasing right now, that's the one you look at and say, that, hey, that's probably got to be the bulk of our efforts kind of moving forward. Because, again, on the offensive side, you got all your skill guys except for maybe one, possibly two receivers. And because of the fact you've got limited numbers there, you can be very selective. You've already got three offensive line guys committed and you've got about a half dozen guys you're considering for two spots so defensive line recruiting that's the one that's kind of in a flux right now now that's that's where you look at it and say okay this is where we need to make some gains here and maybe that happens at big dog camp maybe it does but that's kind of how i see the recruiting needs right now and that's kind of where i that's kind of your update on where things stand and again there'll be new names emerge and i'm, I'm eager to get to camp and kind of see some of these guys uh, in action and i know you guys are as well so we're excited to bring that to you. So there you go. That's your defensive line, defensive 
team recruiting need update. All right, let's talk a little softball. I've done a couple of softball recruiting interviews this week because Mississippi State has signed a couple of sure enough stars. That's the thing you think about, too, with Samantha Ricketts. There's so many people that said, you know, when Mississippi State elected to promote from within, that it was absolutely the right decision because Samantha Ricketts was a rising name in the college coaching profession, but also, too, her ability as a recruiter was unsurpassed, that she was a young lady that understood what it took to recruit at a high level and to get some of the best players out of the West Coast to come south. Well, she's done it. And uh, Shay Marino, former UCLA Bruin Shay, redshirted in 2019 and played at San Mateo and then moved to Seminole. Well, Asher didn't count, so she'll have three to play three. That's big because she's the National Junior College Player of the Year. <laughs> Think about that for a second. We have a National Junior College Player of the Year coming here to play middle infield for us. And uh, her cousin, excuse me, I'm wrong one there. There's a cousin involved in another story. But here is what Coach Ricketts had to say about Shay. We are so excited to family welcome Shay to the Bulldog family. She has been on our radar for a while now and has worked hard and battled through adversity to get here. She is an elite athlete that will bring a mix of power and speed to our lineup and can play multiple positions. We expect her to play middle infield shorter or second. Shay is a competitor and dominated at the junior college level this past year. We can't wait to have her join us in Starkville. So here's some interesting numbers for you. In the 2020 season, she batted 487, stole 33 bases, drove in 25 runs, and she was in a top 10 in hits, home runs, and total bases in the California Junior College system. Absolutely outstanding. In high school, she was a multi-sport, multi-year letter winner. Just outstanding. Now, another spring signee, and this is where the cousin gets involved, right? So, and I had a chance to speak to her. They call her Mata. And I'm going to do my best to pronounce this name. So if I don't get it right, please don't don't take any disrespect because I'm not in any way trying to suggest that uh, that I know how to, to pronounce a lot of these Polynesian names. But Mata is Matalasi Fiapito. I believe that's correct. Mata also a tremendous interview. Now, she is another player, too, that uh, is very accomplished. She was the WAC Freshman of the Year at New Mexico State. She's also the, uh, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce her last name, but Chloe, our center fielder, that's her cousin. So there's a family connection there. So here's, here's some numbers for you to kind of you know, to swallow in here, okay? So she started every game for New Mexico State, 52 games, right? Led the WAC in slugging percentage at 791, in hits 63, home runs 16, and total bases 125 as a freshman. It's crazy. In 2020, you know, she's a COVID freshman. She got to play the abbreviated season 2020. 823 slugging, led a team in RBIs, went 8 for 10 her first week, hit four home runs, eight RBIs, to win the whack hitter of the week deal. I mean, it's just, you know, you're looking for offense. We went and got some. Yeah, and just, you know, interacting with our coaches. They're, they're really excited, not just about these two signees, but the signing class as a whole. 
you know, we got some talented players coming back. We went out and signed a really good class. I mean, they're really excited about this. And, again, recruiting really at a national level here. You know, that's the thing you look at. I'm going to run some of these down for you. Uh, Bri Bower, or Bauer out of Illinois. Sidney Carter, a pitcher from Marietta, Georgia. Uh, Selena Daniel from Houston, Texas. Riley Hull from Somerset, Kentucky. Uh, Leilani Pulamile from Gardena, California. So we're not just recruiting the backyard, right? We're getting out there, and that's what's going to take for us to take a step forward in the SEC is we've got to be able to recruit nationally, not just regionally. And that's what I think Samantha Ricketts brings to Mississippi State. Now, Tyler Bratton is a guy that uh, believes that he can get anybody in the country to come play at Mississippi State because he knows the Mississippi State story. He chose Mississippi State himself, even though he grew up a bulldog, had the opportunity to come play here as a baseball player, worked as our director of baseball operations, then went to work coaching in softball. And so he knows our university well, knows how to sell our university. So as a result, it's it's a great tandem. And that was the thing, too, whenever we made the, the decision to move away from Van Studeman, very popular coach, she didn't win enough, but we all liked her a lot. People were worried, well, what do we do with, with Tyler Bratton and Samantha Ricketts? And so it worked out great. You know, John Cohen promotes him with Ann, so you kind of keep the band together, and you bring Jay in. And I think everybody kind of feels good about the direction of Mississippi State softball. Now, we had the great start in 2020, and then they canceled the season. Well, this year, for some reason, the magic just wasn't there. Then we find it late. There were a lot of people that just really – not really softball fans, but are Mississippi State fans. All of a sudden, this team starts winning some games. You go to South Carolina and win. You take two from Tennessee in the midweek. Next thing you know, we find a way to make it in the SEC tournament. And then we go up there and, and beat Ole Miss. And all of a sudden, people are like, wait a minute. Then we had a lead on Florida. Things kind of fell apart for us. But there are some building blocks with which to kind of move on from. We've got a good foundation now. Of course, Coach Ricketts and – and, uh, and the staff really, you know, kind of learning to do things on their own now. And so excited about what is about to happen here. And, again, excited to see, you know, some real offense come in. Because, you know, listen, you know, we're going we're gonna to lose some players. But at the same time, too, we're beginning to kind of replenish with some, some really strong talent. Everybody wants to come play in the SEC and every sport. I mean, this is the highest level of college athletics. And, yeah, there's, there's no slide at the Big 12 and the ACC in some respects in Pac-12. But when you look at softball, I mean, the SEC is traditionally winning these things at a very high level. And, again, Big 12 also very involved in that too. But, you know, in order for us to begin to kind of creep up on, you know, the Floridas and Auburns and Alabamas of the world in softball, in some respects Ole Miss, you got to beat them on a recruiting trail first. You don't go out there and sign G- G5 kids and expect to go make Power 5 improvement. It just doesn't work that way. So, so you improve your, your team – with the recruiting efforts first. I mean, you got to develop some foundational standards, but you got to go get some players and come in here and play at a high level and compete against other players that uh, are comparable in ability. It's a big part of things. So there's your softball update, but you weren't expecting that today. But, yeah, it was kind of cool, too. I talked to both Mata and Shea and just both so eager to talk and so excited about Mississippi State. And, and uh, you know, Shea has really had some, some difficulties in life and had some deaths in her family within the last year and then COVID hit and she kind of got behind academically and, and uh, was really worried because, you know, this COVID thing was very real to her and her family because, you know, she had some people that struggled with it. 
And so now she's beginning to kind of get back to some normalcy. And uh, I think it, it said a lot, too. She, she mentioned how Coach Ricketts and your Mississippi State you know, players stayed in contact with her and, and didn't just talk softball, but talked life with her and just kind of you know, praised her and supported her. And I think that's a big part of things. That's how you build a team. It's not just about what happens, you know, on the diamond. You know, you build your, your relationships off the field. You build them in practice. You build them late night in the dorms when everybody's up late laughing, talking, having a good time. You build that esprit de corps that way. I think it says a lot about your team that here they were kind of reaching out to a future teammate at their time of need. And so when other schools began to make a run at her, she wasn't interested because she already had a family. I think it's amazing. Final segment of the show brought to you by our fine friends at Portico. You guys know Brooks Bryan. If you don't, you should. Brooks is a great guy. He's my friend. He's your friend. Former Diamond Dog, Brooks Bryan. Robbed a home run to beat Washington at Sinesta Omaha. How about that? Brooks also committed to Mississippi State, committed to Starkville, trying to make Starkville a better place to live. Portico is a great residential development just one mile from campus, 1.1 to be exact. When you turn off of 82, like going to campus, you turn on a 12, the very first right is Pat Station Road. That becomes Garrett Road as it crosses over Old West Point Road, and then there's your new neighborhood. The newest construction, the newest neighborhood, the newest friends, the newest home at Portico. And you get two-bedroom, two-bath houses, four-bedroom, four-bath, so many different options to choose from, whether it be your new home or a residential, you know, maybe investment for you. Maybe it is a summer getaway for you or a ball game weekend getaway. Maybe it's an investment property that you're going to Airbnb out. Either way, the convenience to campus and the convenience to that Walmart neighborhood market is tremendous. Not to mention, it's just a great place to live. If I was moving to Starkville today, I would move to Portico. we got this big house out here in the country kind of all to ourselves for the most part. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I love the way that neighborhood is, is laid out. And, uh, you know, there's not as much grass to cut as there is out here. But uh, you kind of get my point. You need more information today. Many of you have said, you know what, one day, Steve, I'm going to move to Starkville or I'm going to move back to Starkville. Why wait? At the very least, begin doing your own due diligence. I mean, it's like someday never gets here unless you have a plan. So put a plan together and let Brooks help you. Give Brooks Bryan a call today, 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. And I'll tell you this, if you're already in the market for a new home in Starkville, tell your real estate agent, demand to see Portico. Don't just go by you know, the, little, the MLS listing. Say, listen, I've heard a lot about this new place, Portico. I want to see some properties there. Phase one is complete. Almost every house there has already been purchased. I think there's one, maybe two left. And then phase two is about to open up. So go ahead and do your due diligence because if you're the family member that really wants to go, your case is going to be made when you have real information. And that's exactly what you get from Brooks Bryan. All right, let's uh, talk a little baseball before we get out of here. I'm sure you guys are aware, Mississippi State, still the NFL champions of college baseball. And uh, the way that I've seen you guys wear your shirts out here, uh, you guys are excited about that. So let's talk a little bit about the prospects of repeating. It's very difficult. It's so difficult to win one. And that's one thing that I talked about on Bo Bound Show. I didn't fully appreciate how difficult it was to win it all at Omaha until I saw Mississippi State do it. It's one of those things when you're the casual fan, it's like, 
okay, so State got eliminated in the Super Regional. I'm just going to kind of watch the College World Series because it's on. And you don't even really kind of keep up with it. You know what I'm saying? It's just something to watch. But when you have a team and you have a vested interest in this, you really pay attention to all this. And you begin to evaluate the other teams and who's doing what. And It's hard to win it, man. It's like, and that should go without saying, but it's like there's been so many years that we were so close, but we really weren't. And when you win it, you kind of fully appreciate that. That's all you say, well, Steve, it's just in a couple of games. No, it's not. It's the most important games in all of college baseball. You know, the most important outs that we got all year were the ones that, against Vandy in the College World Series final, right? There were no outs bigger than those. And so there's more pressure. And, and that's the thing, too, about having all those fans there. It's as great as it is to have everybody there to cheer for you. There's a lot of people there that are invested in you, and as a result, there can be – you know, some real pressure. I thought our guys handled the pressure a lot better than Vandy. Vandy looked tight. We looked relaxed. We looked like we knew that it was our time. And I think you guys were a big part of that too because you knew that. So I'm going to run this down for you just because uh, there have not been a lot of repeat winners in college baseball. So I'm not, I'm not here calling a repeat. I do think Mississippi State is an Omaha team next year. And then after that, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot. You know, it boils down to, you know, what you're seeded and who's in your bracket and who gets hot late. But I think Mississippi State is an Omaha team next year. It sounds crazy to say. we got a chance to go four years in a row. Okay, so kind of going back here, you know, we, we, of course, we prevented Vanderbilt from getting the sweep, right? So you got to go back to 2011 and 2010, and South Carolina won it back-to-back years. And it was a – they were 55-14-11 and 14 and 11 and 54-16-10. and 16 and 10. Very, very similar type seasons. You know, it's not like one of them was a fluke, right? Then you go back to 07-06, Oregon State wins it. Similar situation, 49-18, and 50-16. Beat North Carolina. It's crazy. Then you got to go back a little bit longer. Then you get the 97-96 LSU. Now, the 97 LSU team was a special one. It really was. That's a team, too, that lost to Alabama in the SEC tournament championship game. This a ridiculous score. Jim Wells and them just absolutely tattooed LSU. Then LSU won when it mattered most, right? LSU wins against Alabama in an Apple championship game, 97. They won in 97-96. 98 excuse me, 88 and 87, Stanford, back-to-back years. Of course, the format's changed since then, too. It's a little more difficult to win now because you've got the College World Series best two out of three series season. Um, then you get back into the 70s, you know, when South Carolina's kind of – I mean, South California, USC dominated college baseball. So it is kind of rare that you see it, and, and it should be that way. But, you know, since we've gone to this format – you know, you're looking at this, you've only had a couple of repeat winners. That's Oregon State. That's South Carolina. And so, I know we're all geared up. We're all excited. And you get all giddy and say, hey, we're getting Cam back and we're getting Hootie back and we're getting the band back together, man. We're going to go repeat. You know, I, I just don't know if uh, things fall our way. But I'll tell you this. We're going to be talented enough to go win it all. If we do, it won't. If, if we don't make it, it won't be for lack of talent, and it won't be for lack of coaching. 
They don't go tweet out and say, hey, Steve's saying we're going to go back to back. That's not what I'm saying. But this is not a program or a team that is at the end of a talent cycle. You know, Arkansas has lost a lot. Of course, they get some breaks in a draft. Julian Battles is back. That's big for them. They had a couple of, you know, very highly heralded uh, signees elected to come to school rather than go in the draft. And so Arkansas – and listen, let me just go ahead and tell you this, guys. As long as Dave Van Horn is at Arkansas, they're going to be really good. As long as Mike Bianco is at Ole Miss, they're going to be really good. They're not going to be as good as us, but they're going to be really good. They're going to be in the mix to host. They're going to probably be in the Supers more years than not. Uh, it's a big year for Mike next year. And people say, well, you know, they got so much back. That, that, that pitching staff, man, oh, outside of their starting pitching, they were a joke. Then you lose that, you know. So, But Bianco is a guy, too, that always seems to coach his best when his back's against the wall. So, I, listen, I expect him to be pretty good this year. LSU, we know they're going to be improved. They've got all these transfers coming in from Arizona, and they've had some other transfers go in, you know, from you know Sanford and other places. And so that's going to be a team that's kind of built to win this year while Jay Johnson kind of implements his program. Not to mention they were a young team last year, so they're going to return a lot of sticks. They're going to be able to swing it. I have no idea how they're going to be able to pitch it. You know, they've lost a ton pitching-wise. And so we'll kind of see how things progress there. But uh, LSU will be improved over last year. Yes, they made the tournament, and they kind of made it interesting out there, but um, – you know, they're not a team that uh, I think people are going to be expected, you know, to go win it all next year or, or even make Omaha. But they're going to be a dangerous team, and I'm kind of glad we get them at our place, even though our park is a little more offensive than it used to be. But the SEC is going to be really good. You know, Tony Vitello just signed a $1.5 million deal for five years. Tennessee probably got John Cohen um, up tonight thinking about that. I'm pretty sure they probably – had a contract extension pretty much settled between Lamonis and Mississippi State. And then this happens, and then you wonder, okay, do we have to go back and sharpen the pencil again? I know that I speak for everybody involved in Mississippi State baseball from a fan perspective. Pay Lamonis whatever it takes. And that's not saying that Chris is going to hold us hostage and do the Dan Mullen thing. But the guy just won an AFL championship. And so he and his staff need to be properly compensated. And understand, too, we all support that. And so, you know, if, if tickets are a little more expensive next year, if your hot dogs go up a quarter, don't complain because all the when there's other expenditures, that's passed along to you too. You know, it's not as simple as when people say, well, you know, Steve, we got all the money in the world. You know, guys, if you remember in 2020, we had to go pretty deep into the reserves to kind of keep everything afloat. If my memory serves me correct, Mississippi State, one of the only teams in the Southeastern Conference that did not lay off athletic department staffers. Says a lot about Mark Keenum, a lot about John Cohen. The number one, they had the wherewithal, you know, to have this great rainy day fund. And listen, that all started with Larry Templeton, right? But it's been obviously, you know, kind of properly stewarded over, you know, by Greg Burns, Scott Strickland, and now John Cohen. And so Mississippi State was able to kind of keep everybody around. Our people that work in the Bryan building didn't have to get up one day and go to work and wonder if they were going to get fired. Their colleagues around the country were having to deal with layoffs left and right. Didn't happen at Mississippi State. But it doesn't mean we got all the money in the world. We're not printing money in the Brown building. And so, yeah, Chris needs to be properly compensated. Is it going to be $1.5 million? I would say probably not. But it's going to be, you know, a big step up from where he is. And it's so rich we deserve. And Jake Gotro is going to get a new deal. Scott Voxall is going to get a new deal. All those things need to happen, and they will. 
and I know that you guys support that, and you won't mind paying the extra quarter for your hot dog, right? Nobody will. It's worth it to us. We're invested in this. It's our team. We're having so much fun being national champions for the first time, right? I mean, we're all wearing our shirts. We're all excited about life. We're already ready for next year. I have people ask me when I go out and speak, I say, you know, Steve, let's talk about football. And then you get one football question, and everybody's like, Steve, how great was Omaha? <laughs> it's like, you know, we're just not ready to move on yet. And it's July 17th. Those are the things that I think about. It's like, you know what, we're going to just ride this wave right on into football season, right? That's what's so great. That's a great thing about a elongated baseball season. And we all joke about it on Twitter with the Ole Miss people. And I know you guys have some Ole Miss friends. I don't. I do have some Ole Miss family, but I don't have any Ole Miss friends. But, um, you know, I always joke with them. I said, you know, football season you know, begins a little earlier for you guys than it does in Starkville. And if you, you look historically, you know, last decade has kind of been the case, right, is that, you know, we, we tend to hang around a little bit longer in the NCAA tournament. And now that we've won one, I just don't think we have to listen to what anybody else has to say. I'm not saying to go look for the argument, you know, because I, I love these people. But well, we won in women's golf. You know what? Congratulations to your ladies. I know they worked exceptionally hard. It's not their fault that the, the course in Baton Rouge was considered not playable to a championship standard. So I would never say anything in any way to diminish their winning a championship. You know, they, they played the course in front of them. And so I think about our, our gentlemen in the same light. It's like there's all this bitterness and hatred. It's like, oh, well, you guys didn't really run it. Yes, we did. We have a trophy. We have a trophy. And you, you have a piece of paper for some things back in the 1960s where, you know, uh, the Dunkel Index or whatever it was, a Lichtenhaus thing or whatever. And I said, oh, well, the Football Writers Association. When did the Football Writers Association poll really count for anything? You know, and so I, I don't care what you claim or who you blame or what's your name, any of that stuff. None of that matters to me. All I know is this, is there is an NCAA college baseball national championship trophy sitting on our campus right now. And while I'm on the topic of the trophy, too, I haven't heard officially what the plans are going to be you know, for like a selfie spot at Duty Noble. You know, they have one of those at Founders Park in South Carolina. It is phenomenal. And everybody that walks through that door goes and gets a picture made. They have both they have replicas of the NAFL championship trophies out in center field. And you know, all the casual fans, like the ones that maybe aren't season ticket holders, I guess if you're a season ticket holder, you've probably done it a bunch of times. But you would be amazed at how many people when they get there go get their picture made with those trophies. And so Mississippi State is going to do something similar. Again, I don't know all the parameters yet or the details, but I'm told that Mississippi State can get as many of these trophies as they want. You know, they got to pay for them, obviously, but you, know, you can get replicas. And so if you, know, you get one that you kind of put up for storage and you put one, you know, out there for a display, but uh, you know, you're going to have these things. You know, we're kind, of, we're kind of learning what it's like to, to handle a national championship trophy, right? It's, it's for our first time. So give us a little patience here as we kind of figure this thing out. But, you know, it's an exciting time in our university's history. And when I begin to think about, you know, what is to come, that's what gets me excited because how many times do we have a big year? Like, say we go win a bowl game, like in football, like in the 80s. Like, you know, it's like when we won the Hall of Fame game, everybody's so excited. But you know what? We knew John Bond was gone. We knew that great defensive line was gone. So even though we won, we kind of felt like, you know what, the, you know, 82, 83, I guess John was around for 82. But you, know, you kind of understand my point. It's like we would get to the end of a talent cycle and we're like, oh, here we go again. We go back down to the bottom. We just don't have those situations in baseball. We just don't. 
we take a lot of pride in our baseball program because our baseball program has given us a lot to be proud of. And when I have these discussions with people sometimes too, like casual fans, like you know, I share it with you guys too because I think it's important. You know, we've had six coaches lead us to Omaha, six. Nobody else in the SEC is close to that. And this is a program. This is a culture. It's not a team where we hired the right guy and he turned us around. Just not who we are. You know, I had some people that said, Steve, I like what you said. You know, we're Mississippi State. You're dead gum right we are. We're national champion Mississippi State. And, yeah, we've always been able to kind of poke our chest out a little bit when it came to college baseball. But you know what? No matter you're in, you're out, we can compete with anybody in the country. That's how we felt. And some years, you know what? We're better than others. But we always felt like, you know what? This is one thing here. You know, you guys might come in here and blow us out in basketball or football. You might be able to do that. But you're not going to come push us around in baseball. We do the pushing in baseball. And, again, this is the greatest decade in Mississippi State baseball history. So there's so much to be proud of. But, again, it's not the ending for us. This is the beginning for us in many respects. And it's not really even, you know, a continuation for us. It's a new era for us because now we know we can do it. That was the rub for all of us, man. You know, every one of us that loves Mississippi State baseball, it's like, you know, Manny, I want, I, man, I want this year to be the year. I want. I mean, it's just like, oh, my gosh. And then, Okay, so then we start getting these warning signs along the way, you know, like we lose to Arkansas. You know, and, I, yeah, I've written some of these chapters about the non-conference series. You know, we lose the Friday night game of Tulane, and we should have got swept in that series. We should have, but we didn't because we wouldn't quit. You know, we split the first two games against Kent State, and we thought we were going to lose. And what do we do? We no-hit them in game three. And this is a team that continued to come back from adversity. And a lot of that, too, is because those are the caliber players that we attract. You know, we don't have a scratch-and-dent baseball roster. And we've had some guys that have gone under the knife a little bit. You know, we've had some guys that have you know, kind of recovered through some things. But the bottom line is, is that – you know, we don't have to go take developmental players and kind of build for one season. We go take the best players in America and we're competing for those guys because we want to go out and compete for national championships. But we had all these things that popped up. You know, Arkansas sweeps us and we think, well, it's not going to be this year. And then we get going again and then we, we finally are in a position we think, you know what, man, we got a chance to be the number one overall seed. We got a chance to win the SEC. And then we blow it and get lose two out of three to Missouri. And then we were all at each other's throats. Listen in the year. We got so invested in this, but this isn't going to be the year either. Then we go sweep Alabama. We're thinking, okay, good. We're good. We're good. Let's go win a game or so in Hoover and get on to the house. And we get 10-run ruled in two games. And everybody was ready to fire the coaching staff and bulldoze the stadium. And it was insane because it, it all came from a good place, right? But we're all thinking we want to win so bad and this isn't going to be our year. But it was our year. It absolutely was our year. And I, I laugh so much, too, about, you know, the folks say, oh, you know, well, State was gifted this. Nobody gifted us anything. We had to beat three conference champions in our regional. You know, we didn't have these mid-level at-large bids. We had three conference champions in our in our deal. Now, we better than all three of them. You better believe it. Then we had to get Notre Dame the team that everybody in the national college baseball media said got shafted. Now, they didn't say at our expense, though. They didn't say that we got a, reg- a super regional over them. They were kind of arguing against Texas Tech. And you might be able to make that case. 
But I really thought that Notre Dame, of the four teams that were in contention, that being Mississippi State, Stanford, Texas Tech, and Notre Dame, Notre Dame had the weakest resume. And as I've shared with you guys before, it would be a dangerous precedent for the NCAA selection committee to give them a top eight national seed and a super regional, which is a paved road to Omaha when they canceled all their non-conference games. I mean, what would happen if Vanderbilt did that? I mean, there would be blood in the streets in the SEC, right? And so the, the committee did the right thing, but there were a lot of people that were supporting Notre Dame saying, hey, this just isn't right. And so we had a very, very good team. We had an Omaha team come to Starkville with a chip on their shoulder, and we beat them. And then everybody's like, hey, wait a minute. And they said, okay, well, now, you know, Texas is back, baby. Texas is back. Now, granted, we'd already beaten them once. They said, yeah, but that was a different team. You know what? So were we. We were a much different team, too. And so we beat Texas twice in Omaha. Two out of three times. You know what? And it, was, it, it took a bad outing for us, for them to get us, but they got us. And then everybody says, well, you know, yeah, but, you know, Virginia's the hottest team in that side of the bracket. And then we beat them. And, of course, we get lucky, right? We, I mean, we get lucky. I mean, we have two home runs in an ending and a five-run ending that's all luck. And then we got to go play Vanderbilt. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, Vanderbilt's had Mississippi State's number, and they got, you know, they got lighter, and they got rocker, and that's true. And you know what? We beat them. We did. And so, and I see some of this commentary out there, and I say this with as much love as I can because I love each of you. I really do. Don't let people try to diminish what we've accomplished as a program. It's not like we had to go play, you know, Pearl River Community College or the uh, you know Louisiana School for Math and Sciences. We had to go play some big-time teams. And people say, oh, well, this is all you know, some contrived plan. You know, you know what? You still got to go play the games. And that there wasn't a plan. It's not like John Cohen sat down and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, John can't arrange the umpires. John can't arrange the pitching matchups. John can't arrange for, you know, NC State to get COVID. And if you think that uh, John Cohen would do anything to help Vanderbilt, you don't know John well. And so I think it's just kind of important to kind of understand, you know, take it for what it is. It is what it is. We won an AFL championship. We were the last team to win, the last team standing. And not only did we win, we dominated. And so let's have some pride in that and not let anybody, anybody tell you anything to make you think that this, this championship is in any way tainted or this season is somehow, you know, an asterisk type deal. What, number one, what they say doesn't matter. But number two, we went and won it on the field. We weren't gifted anything. We took it. All right, I'm going to get out of here. And it's, you guys enjoy your Saturday. Some of you be outside working in the yard. And again, I apologize for technical difficulties. And listen, I, I've kind of transitioned back now to my desktop. So maybe this will, will stay with this. And so if it sounds a little different, you know why. But we'll get all that figured out as we go. I want to thank you guys so much for your support at the Boneyard. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, order some today at StarkVillains.com. T-shirt, hoodies, everything you need right there. And again, I already told you where to buy the books. But uh, listen, let's get together soon. I got a couple book signings coming up uh, next Friday, which is the 23rd of July. I'll be downtown at the Unwind event at Book Martin Cafe in Starkville. Come by, I'll even pour you a glass of wine. How about that? And then August 7th, I'll be at Lemuria Books in Jackson 
That's a Saturday, August 7th at 2 p.m., 2 to 3. I'll hang out for a little while if you guys are there, but uh, probably get out of there and go to Fondren somewhere and grab some great food there. So, uh, again, Book Martin Cafe next Friday night in Starkville, and then Saturday, August 7th uh, there at Lemuria Books in Jackson. Well, there we go. You guys have a great weekend. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.